Did S Club reunite? Cause Hannah screamed out for more. What are the odds of Paul getting back down on the floor? Always good to start an episode by talking about something we fucked up in a previous episode. Grant from the Ministry of Truth, (laughs) uh, by which I mean Minneapolis, has been in touch to say, I was listening to episode 302 when I was amazed to hear Ollie claim that Mario's last name is Mario. Oh, one of these again. Uh, We've had so many of these come in. Well, it's very important. Well, look, if you were amazed, Grant, then you were amazed by a fact which is widely dispersed on the internet. Grant says this is a common misconception (sighs) that was spread by the Super Mario Brothers movie from the 90s, but Mario and Luigi are, in fact... Mononymous. Do 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 do. Mononymous. <laughs> do, 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 do. They do not have any surname at all. Their creator, Shigeru Miyamoto, confirmed in an interview with the gaming magazine Game Informer that Mario. Oh, well, is I, re- I don't know how I missed that because I get every issue. Check your scrapbook because you keep pages, <laughs> don't you? Mario is really just Mario, and Luigi is really just Luigi. Mm. Though I guess I shouldn't be surprised by people who pronounce my name Grant instead of the American way of. I can't Grant. say it. Why are you trying to humiliate Grant. me? This way Grant when you know that I can't say it properly well look Grant I don't accept your <laughs> correction on this because uh, like I said we've had lots of this correspondence but all of you proper hardcore gaming nuts all have different Not advice hardcore just because they read Game Informer well <laughs> from the 90s <laughs> I think it's fair to say they have a slightly more accelerated interest than the mainstream uh, and all of you have a different view on this because actually uh, ben from Coventry, for example, he got in touch to say, well, when Miyamoto first created Mario, he named him Mr. Video. So Mario, Mario and Video. Luigi should both be called Mario Video. I'm afraid that just because I don't take the creator's word as gospel... Yeah, because what not... would he know about the people that he invented? <laughs> I gave the answer that they're called Mario, Mario and Luigi Mario because, yes, that was decided by the scriptwriters of the film. But that the film is not considered canon. Well, I'm prepared to consider the film canonical because those film writers were paid a lot of money to sit in a room and write an excellent piece of movie making you were pursuing money rather than the truth ollie no a lot of clever men's or and possibly women i don't know i don't know no very unlikely i mean it's bad now imagine what it was like in the 90s (laughs) sat in a room got paid a lot of money to think right what is mario and luigi's surname let's look through the annals of mario history this is what they come up with wow they really shut the bed then didn't they well Well, let's just call him by his own name i'm sorry i think it's all down to the vagaries of the original conceit as uh, we addressed in the last episode, as I'm not climbing down from my answer. It's almost like the original creator didn't think about creating fully rendered characters. No, well, you only see one side of them. They are very one-dimensional, mm. aren't they? Mm. Hello, it's Dave from Coventry here. Um, I've just been listening to episode 302, and you spoke about Supermarket Sweep, which... Uh, sends shivers down my spine. When I was a very young lad, my mum and dad were on Supermarket Sweep and they actually got through to the final round, but they missed out on the £2,000 grand prize because they ran straight past the prunes. Um, But what people don't know is that the supermarket that it was based on was an Asda, which is why my mum is convinced that she lost because she only shopped in Tesco's back then. Oh, and as a side note, my mum and dad were also on Every Second Counts, which is a very old programme with Paul Daniels, but they don't talk about that 
because Paul Daniels was a twat. Did they like him? Not a lot. Was he really such a twat that he didn't even supply a good anecdote for them to bandy around about when they were on uh, Every Second Counts? I'm afraid I've met Paul Daniels, you know, in a very, very uh, kind of brief fashion, and he was very charming. In what context did you meet him, though? Uh, You weren't a snivelling contestant (laughs) being ground under his heel on his game show, were you? uh, I've met him twice, once on the Royal Mile in Edinburgh when he was trying to get students like me to come and watch his magic show. Well, then I can understand why he didn't play it high-handed. Yes, he'd be gregarious (laughs) at that point. Peasant, come and see my show. (laughs) (laughs) And the other time was when you and I were working at the BBC Mm -hmm. and they were filming Strictly Come Dancing on the same night we were there to do a show for Five Live and we were all waiting for a cab in the reception. So then again, I suppose I was an equal with him. At that moment, we were both talent. The time before, I was a potential customer of his. Did you actually speak to him? Um, Yeah, what he actually did is come up. He walked up to me, not knowing me at all, tapped me on the head, which... On the head? Yes, which How involves... did he reach? Exactly, like a sort of Nazi-style salute from him, mm-hmm. uh, and said, goodness gracious, you're a tall man, aren't you? <laughs> That's what he said. Everyone's tall to Paul Daniels, though. Well, yeah. He's small, he's small Daniels. I, I suppose it might have been seen by some people as condescending, but I thought it was actually... Someone for me was a big star when I was a kid. Yes. You know, actually... You it know, was a real magical moment for you, wasn't it? Was, it? He was getting down, he was happy to chat. Yeah, I thought he was, he was, he was a bit high off the back of having just done Strictly, obviously. And yeah. he might have been a bit adrenalised, but, you know, he seemed like a nice man. So I, I, I reject your parents' analysis. But also, surely you would tell people you were on that quiz, regardless of whether or not the host was a twat, because the host is only part of the experience. A lot of people, though, that are serial quiz participants, like it sounds like Dave from Coventry's parents are, do mm. so many of these quizzes that, in a way, it's probably easier to say that the host was a twat on one of them than to go into the story of one that perhaps you weren't particularly proud of if you've got many yes. under your belt. What if they didn't get very far along in the quiz yeah. it's easier to say oh, it's because of the sabotage of Paul Daniels not because of those goddamn prunes hiding I, th- <laughs> I think uh, people who serially appear on quizzes often have um, a sense that they are part of the the talent themselves mm. like well they, they are especially they the, more, the more difficult quizzes it's, well sort of but actually it's like a single episode reality show cast yeah the, the, the thing is the audience never remember them the audience just Ooh, see them as a, no but they's what about true. Eunice Hutt-Hart in Gladiators <laughs> what about yeah. Wesley Two Scoops Berry generally speaking uh, the audience see them as a conduit for themselves you know they're watching it and they're thinking how would I have answered that question yes and the prunes an- are right there grab <laughs> them exactly grab them and unless you're the person who wins a million pounds on who wants to be a millionaire you're destined to be forgotten mm. you're just a vessel for the audience to project themselves into the show uh, and I think that's quite hard to take if you're someone who's done a, mil- a lot of shows and appeared on primetime television it's the level of mundane chat you need to have as well so oh, I could do that yeah <laughs> no you oh, couldn't yes just been doing up my caravan no, actually exactly you couldn't Martin because you have to start the show with so you're Martin and what do you do Martin uh, I'm a university lecturer yes yeah, <laughs> already already oh, wait, okay hard okay. for the audience to relate try again Martin what do you oh, do? Oh, right. Um, I'm a computer programmer. How about that? Boring. Nerd. That's quite normal, Nerd. though, isn't it? Well, let's see if you get with the program today. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, the questions are going to be pretty basic. <laughs> you're laughing at that it doesn't seem to be your kind of oeuvre I think it was the flirtatious smile with which Martin delivered the punchline it was very good he's made for television well here's a question from Moz who says Ollie answer me this why are there mirrors in the gym not even just one mirror on a wall you're surrounded by them why is this my good lady wife insists that it's for people to check out other people without them knowing and it's a hotbed of sexual activity and cruising I think that depends on which gym I think yes I think if you're talking about you know the original Gold's Gym on Venice Beach you may have a case Uh, if you're talking about the Gold's Gym for example on the A41 in Hendon (laughs) not so much well maybe maybe but in my experience full of elderly Jewish women yeah where else are they supposed to get their cruising on (laughs) I don't have an issue I just I'm not sure it's a sexual hotbed 
Um, Although I'm sure they do have hot beds because they probably have heated blankets. Moz says, I'm sure that can't be the real reason, right? Right? Well, technically, the reason that gyms have mirrors is so that you can check you have the right form when you're working out. Yes. Um, Because if you lift weights and then you have to crane your neck to see how you look Mm. and whether you're holding your posture, then obviously, by definition, you are no longer holding the correct posture. Yes. Uh, You need to be looking ahead of you and otherwise it's very bad for you. Same in things like aerobics. Yes, exactly. It's it's hard, particularly when you're as mal-coordinated as I. Um, But uh, I do think it is the case that obviously as gyms have evolved and become something that you see on pretty much every high street, it's now partly, to be honest, just that customers expect it. Customers expect a big long row of treadmills, even if they're never ever always occupied. They expect the row of TVs, one showing Sky News, one showing Sky Sports, one showing MTV, and they expect a wall of mirrors because that's what a gym looks like. Also, does it make the gyms look bigger? Yes. Because often they're rather unprepossessing rooms. I think, you know, that would be certainly a reason why uh, gym owners wouldn't object to this policy. Yeah, some Uh, of them are windowless as well, and it gives the impression of windows. Yes, and actually, the gyms that I've been to where they don't have the mirrored walls are the gyms that have good views. Yes. If there's a gym where you can be on a treadmill and looking out, you know, from a skyscraper 20th floor, for example, over a stunning vista, those are the ones that tend not to have mirrors. It's the ones that are above shops that have mirrors. But I'm sure for some people, they are motivated either by the sight of themselves looking very fit or by the sight of themselves looking red and disgusting and they think, well, I've got to make myself better. Uma Thurman, I remember, said that after she'd given birth, she, mm. was tr- she decided to lose weight by eating naked in front of a mirror actresses yeah that tells you everything you need to know there's a lot of self-hatred there isn't so much and so much bonkers well here is a question from liz in brooklyn who says in a conversation about terrible online dating messages we'd received my cousin told me that she had once gotten an okay cupid message from a man who wanted her to give him a hand job with cheese just when you think you've heard it all pulp fiction too (laughs) (laughs) ollie answer me this how would a cheesy handjob work? Right. One of our friends thought the man must be referring to a hard block of cheese with a hole drilled in it, or a hole automatically in it, like Leerdammer. That's not a handjob, that's a cheese job. Yeah. Another thought he must mean a soft cheese. I assumed he must want a fairly standard handjob with slices of processed cheese in her hands. Oh, a kind of uh, hot dog arrangement, but with your wiener as the wiener. Since I doubt we'll ever get an answer from the man himself, what, they didn't go out... I have turned I have turned to you. Ollie, what did he mean? Which type of cheese could he have wanted? I, I mean, personally, my cheese tastes are very seasonal because in summer I want something like a fresh goat and in winter I might want something more farmy. Yeah, I, I've recently... Not, not for a handjob, but just <laughs> for eating. I, I think in reality what he wanted uh, is a handjob with cream cheese. Do uh, you? Yes, because I've... Oh, as lube. I've Googled handjob with cheese. I mean, you'd done that before we got this question. <laughs> uh, and the only variant that I can actually find committed to film... And people have at this point committed every sexual practice to film. So if, if it exists... You found it, Ollie. Uh, is of a man who is first kind of worked into a lather by a lady using, as far as I can tell, Philadelphia as lube, effectively. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is viral marketing for craft uh, or whether this was done. It's not uh, the normal route they go. <laughs> it's not. But after having used it as a lubricant, she then um, uses his penis to penetrate the hole in a bagel. Mm. Um, so the bagel is then it's, it's basically like he's fucking a cream cheese bagel but he's also spreading it in a way in a way yes exactly yes you know what i expected to happen at the end of that scene probably was someone to have to eat that bagel yes i thought the money shot would have been into the bagel and then perhaps that would be served up to the lady squirt of lemon juice bit of coriander but actually i was very disappointed sure you um, were. <laughs> <laughs> the final scene was um she just jacked him off with some whipped cream 
What? Yeah, I know. And well, this already, is, that would make sense. That would be pudding. Well, I know that. He's already covered. <laughs> he's already covered in rancid dairy products. Why does he need more? I know. I th- yeah, I agree. It's, I thought maybe at the end she'd let these grates some parmesan on me or something. Is it squirty cream or properly whipped? Squirty cream. You've set up the cream cheese thing. You know, this mm. yeah, slightly odd. We wanted odd. savory. We, we did not want to go to pudding it. We wanted a New York deli themed sex video. Please. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted an end where, at the very least, you coated his torso in locks. You wouldn't mm. put whipped cream on pastrami, would you? Exactly. I feel like the pudding course version of this would be more pleasant though. A donut, and then he could glaze the donut. Yes, I think it's more acceptable kinky play. Although, mm. actually, I do acknowledge Liz that. Uh, to have brought this conversation up on OkCupid as part of a pre-date banter. It's bold. It's a bit weird. Um, I nonetheless would say, in the context, actually, of a loving relationship, as sexual quirks go... You are going home tonight and um, (laughs) uh, asking your girlfriend for a cheesy favour. I'm not sure bringing food into the bedroom is a particularly unusual one. You know, cream Mm. cheese, it's savoury, and that's a little bit unusual. But actually, you know, if, if someone said, what I really like to do is... Uh, sit in bed with I don't know a champagne martini and then you... a champagne martini that is more deviant than anything you've just described <laughs> and then you know we like to eat the olives off each other's nipples I mean don't get me wrong it, it's a bit kinky but it's not it's mainstream weird I would say average it's mainstream alternative it's the XFM of sexual practices it's when you're licking soup off your partner that's when things get really kinky <laughs> exactly so actually I don't think cream cheese as a staple product you'd find in the fridge is necessarily all that odd what I'm saying Helen is that if Martin said to you one day what I'd really like to do is bring food into the bedroom. I'm uncomfortable I, that you're using us as an I'm example. I'm just saying because you've got a married people. couple in We're front of me. We're real here. If you, all right, the other way around, Martin. If Helen oh, said no, to you, no, that doesn't make it better. If Helen said to you, can we introduce cream cheese into our lovemaking? It wouldn't be a divorcing issue, would it? It would be something that'd be like, okay, that's a weird fantasy, but we'll talk about Have it. Have you smelt cream cheese that's been out of the fridge for a little while? I don't think this would be very arousing at all. It's mostly petrochemicals, isn't it? I feel okay. Like uh, it's like KY in slightly more solid form. If you've got a question. Email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. 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 Here's a question from Sam in Canada who says I work in a library and we use the Dewey Decimal System to keep our non-fiction books like Answer Me This thanks for the plug Sam That is not in any Canadian libraries is it? I don't think it was even on sale in Canada It might well maybe someone's made a special effort to order it there Anyway thanks for that Uh, to keep our non-fiction books organised By the way just hearing the words Dewey Decimal System brings me immediately straight back to the library in my primary school when I'm seven and the librarian is explaining the system to us Does it do that? for you no, no did you no, not have that lesson at school no one has ever explained <gasps> it to me we did it every year at my school so Why? every year wow. to... like training you up to be librarians yeah every year tour of the school library in the first week of september they really the backed the wrong course the didn't they yeah. well, I, I knew where all the books were because i'd read them all <laughs> Ooh. I actually, decimal system was in my brain <laughs> I read all, most of the books in my primary school library just before I became a philistine including <laughs> the comic books the peaked, last time I read a comic book you peaked too early didn't you yeah. uh, anyway uh, Sam continues the Dewey Decimal System is easy to use really? but each number is supposed to represent a topic right? and sometimes the topics that are related to each other are really weird so Helen answer me this who invented the Dewey Decimal System and how did they decide what goes at what number? Oh, it was invented by Dewey Cox from Walk Hard. I imagined it was Dewey Duck, Donald's <laughs> nephew. Uh, it was actually a man called Melville Dewey and he was an educational reformer from a very young age, but also he was very much in favour of spelling reform. So he changed his name from Melville, Mel 
V I double L E to Melville Mel V I L. Oh, I and, see. I thought you meant spelling reform as in like in a B, you know, R E F O R M, reform. And he, for a short time, respelt Dewey, which is usually D E W E Y, as D U I. His own name. His own name, Dewey. Was um, driving under the influence of charge at that time? Was that why he changed it back? Well, this is uh, the 1870s, so... Driving a horse, maybe. So why was he so keen on coming up with a system to navigate libraries? What had they had in place before that? Chaos. But, you know, like, you go in a second-hand bookshop now, for example. Yes. And it's clearly signified, isn't it? Biography, military history. Yes. I don't think, oh, but it hasn't got a Dewey number on it. I just no. think, oh, okay, well, that, that's where all the books are in alphabetical order within that well, genre. What's nec- the problem with that? Not necessarily in alphabetical order, Ollie, because when I worked in a second-hand bookshop, because it was so old, the shelves were different heights. So you kind of had to arrange things according to where the books were short enough to fit. So mm. poetry, it'd be ideal if it was in alphabetical order, but mean, sometimes yeah. you had to make arbitrary distinctions of period or genre in order that they would fit on a short shelf. <laughs> okay, <laughs> kind of makes sense, yeah. But he came up with it age 22 in 1873 when he was working at Amherst College Library. And I think he just thought, well, this would be marvellously well organised. And then he copyrighted it in 1876. Uh, Melville Dewey also tried to switch the US over to the metric measurement system. And obviously that did not catch on. They're still all about gallons and pints and things like that. Yeah, well, they're quite traditionalist, aren't they, in the US? Whereas I guess they didn't really have a book numbering system before he came up with his one, so he got in there. No. Um, And he also helped arrange the 1932 Winter Olympics. What a diverse man. He did have an interesting career, didn't he? Yeah. He was the Johnny Marr of his generation. I don't think Johnny Marr has helped with the Olympics yet, has he? He hasn't, but he's done pretty much everything else. Well, he's played guitar. What else has he he's done? He's done Modest Mouse. He's done Modest Mouse, musical soundtracks. Yeah, but that's all, that's all, all guitar-based. Yeah. Well, no. He's not done Winter Olympics and numerical systems and spelling reform. I said he was the Johnny Marr of his generation. I he's mean, the not, Johnny though. Marr of our generation is he's, different. He's making Johnny Marr look very one-dimensional. Well, here's another question of books now from Richard in Finsbury Park, who says, My mother is 82 years old. She loves reading uh, and always looks forward to visits from the mobile library. I'm reassured that there are still mobile libraries that are able to operate. Uh, As I am such a kind son, continues Richard, I gave my mum a Kindle. She loves it. I've been helping her load Jeffrey Archer novels onto it Mm. and the other shit she likes to read. (laughs) That is very altruistic of you. Uh, She doesn't know that I can add books to her Kindle remotely. Wow, I did not know that that was a possible thing. Yeah, well, it it sort of is. I don't think it's designed that you can do it if it's not your Kindle, but obviously since she won't have any web presence, I guess you can effectively... Well, obvious. Well, your grandmother has web presence. Nah, not really. She's she got... runs several Twitter accounts. She does all those Uber facts and stuff, doesn't she? <laughs> she's Cat Bin Woman. His, his, historical pics. <laughs> um, um, no, she's got a Yahoo Mail account. But I, if I was setting up a Kindle for my grandmother, I would. You'd you'd be the mastermind. I'd set it up to my email so that I could order her things. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's what he's done. So effectively, it's his Kindle, but he's given it to her. I guess. Right. Uh, he says I live two hundred miles away from her. Doesn't uh, matter because the internet. That's right. Yeah. I guess that's his point. Anyway. I have done a bad thing. <laughs> I downloaded Fifty Shades of Grey and I changed it. How? I switched the names of the two main characters, Anastasia and Christian, to the names of my elderly parents, Christine and Frank. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that was that possible. I, I didn't know you could do that with Kindles. I guess you'd have to download the book 
and then transform it from a PDF to a Word document and then back again or something like that. It's hassle, but then what price for a prank? Well, it's, it's worth it for it's, this. It's like an adult version of those Your Name in This Book books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had one when I was a child, a circus one, perfectly innocent, no BDSM, and I loved it. Yeah, whereas this would be like, choose your own sex adventure. Yeah, but I was like, how do they know my brother's name? How do they know what our dog is called? <laughs> uh, I have put the changed version, continues Richard, onto her Kindle. Richard, you are an absolute mastermind, <laughs> and I salute you. She won't twig that it has been personalised. <laughs> I know that she'll go around telling people that she's read Fifty Shades of Grey and that it's so remarkable that the main characters have the same names as her and my dad. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, so, Helen, answer me this. Was that very wrong? No. Um, and what other books can I defile to fuck about with my elderly parents? Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> Bible? The, th- the problem with the Bible is it's so long and you wouldn't be able to put it on verse 1, chapter 1. You'd have to bury it in the middle of a boring story about Jacob or something. Just change the word God to Frank <laughs> and Jesus to Christine. Not a problem. Is this prank slightly going to backfire on Richard? Just the notion of his mother reading a sex book that is effectively about her and Richard's father having sex. Yes. That, that would gross a lot of people out too much to do this otherwise pretty excellent prank. Yes. Would you have the uh, the balls to read your own doctored version of Fifty Shades of Grey, Richard? Because if you wouldn't, is it fair to ask your mum to do the same? Brilliant jape, though. Um, and uh, maybe you could put the Answer Me This Christmas on there as well, since uh, we're not that far away. That's right. Yeah, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Uh, and yes, the perfect present for anyone, including your mum is the Answer Me This Christmas album, uh, available at only £2.49 from AnswerMeThisStore.com. And here's a little clip of it for this week's intermission. What about... I don't even know what that is. Is that a ringtone? Oh, yes. No, I don't know what both of you are doing. Yeah, no, it layers up, doesn't it? Like, more and more of that as it goes along. It's not really a big Christmas hit, that, though. I'm still... It's on all the albums. No, that's what I call Christmas albums. Yeah, it's filler, though, isn't it? If you have to go through those albums and take away tracks, you start with Paul McCartney, don't you? Simply have it go away. I like that. I also oh. take out uh, War Is Over by John Lennon. Well, I like Feliz Navidad. That doesn't get played Which very one's much. That? Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. Is that by? <laughs> it's a Mexican dude. Is that by Morrison? <laughs> that was a little snippet of the Answer Me This Christmas album. It's just one month to go. Yes, if you want to feel festive already, why not buy our exclusive album? You will not hear it anywhere else, as if you'd ever hear Answer Me This anywhere oh, else. It might be booming <laughs> out of the speakers at department stores, mightn't it? <laughs> uh, but, but the point is, it's, it's all material that... We made it last year, so obviously if you bought it last year, you've already got it. Same one as last uh, year. Same one as last year. Uh, but uh, it's never been transmitted as part of our podcast feed no, before. So all new all last new year. All new to last year. Uh, so it's an hour of us answering your Christmas questions from last year about yes, for example why does Rudolph have a red nose Kwanzaa uh, what about that what yeah. do you do with your shitty presents the dark side of Dr Seuss that's in there yes family dinner disputes I think now is the time of year to listen to it isn't it it May is. is not the time. Correct, yes. Yeah. So we're, we're doing a big push for the Christmas album, but all of our albums, Jubilee, Sports Day, uh, Holiday and Christmas... Timeless, one and all. Uh, <laughs> ...are, you know, taken together, 
only a tenner and four hours worth of us talking extra stuff you may not have heard and they're all available at answermethisstore.com and buying them supports the show so thank you for doing it so treat yourself and uh, Richard who is 23 from Bradford has written in about treating himself he says I occasionally treat myself to a McDonald's breakfast you value yourself very highly (laughs) I occasionally treat myself to a stubbed toe Richard I I actually (laughs) treated myself the other day to a McDonald's breakfast and I was shocked to see that the McCafe has ripped Mm -hmm. off the Starbucks red cups I mean I know that they're popular but it's such a global competitor Starbucks to McDonald's how have they how they do the thing where you get a special coloured cup at Christmas so so do Costa they've got them like little Santa jackets but you'd expect Costa to rip off Starbucks because they're direct competitors well I wouldn't expect McDonald's to be a bastion of original thinking (laughs) they've got Christmas have they well we're gonna go Hanukkah (laughs) (laughs) if they went Eid I would applaud that but no I just think you know, it's such a Starbucks thing, they'd be better off not muscling in on that territory. It was my opinion. Yes, yeah, it's well, just when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's brazen. I think Richard would agree with you because he's big into the McDonald's branding. He says McDonald's has an effective McBranding, strategy when it McNames its product. It certainly McDoes. I understand this and I do enjoy a McMuffin or a McFlurry. Who McDoesn't? I do not understand why it doesn't extend this to my preferred breakfast option, the bagel. Yeah, it's true. It's just called a bagel, isn't it, McDonald's? Ollie, Ollie, answer me this. Why be it a McMuffin, but not a McBagel? Well, actually, on the subject of originality, I think it does come from that. Oh. As far as I can tell, the muck prefix is added to products where McDonald's are trying to tell you that they've been innovative within a certain genre. Yeah, but they didn't invent muffins. They, they didn't did. even invent burgers. Well, uh, bear with. They Mc- did. Nuggets. They, wait. <laughs> they did. So, okay. Let's take the McFlurry. We can all agree that McDonald's is sent... I mean, I don't know if another restaurant did something similar and they ripped it off, but essentially... They, they invented the uh, Pizza Hut ice cream factory, <laughs> but in one cup. On an international stage, uh, McDonald's invented the idea of uh, an, a, a cheap ice cream layered with a branded sweet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and thus the McFlurry was born. Uh, in the same way, yeah, they didn't invent muffins, but it's not a muffin, is it? A McMuffin is is a McDonald's patty. It's not a muffin. And, it's a McMuffin. <laughs> and some meat uh, and some cheese and stuff on a muffin. And in that sense, I don't think that was a breakfast stuff you could get widely across most of the countries where the McMuffin is available. So in that sense, they did invent that product category. People weren't eating that for breakfast in this country before the McMuffin. The bagel, they can make no claims to. The bacon roll, and they're very sensitive about this, I think, in the UK, they make no claims to. It's not called the McBacon roll. They just call it the bacon roll. So as far as I can tell, especially with the breakfast, items muck if they invented it just the plain name if they didn't filet of fish then why isn't that muck because they kind of well, filet of fish is that. a whole separate conversation but the filet of fish comes from uh, a different era doesn't it? it comes from a different it's a classic menu item so it's different to but, and those items i suppose the muck hamburger is not a muck exactly anything big mac is quite good isn't it because it, it, it goes minimal it doesn't go a, a big mac burger it just goes big mac and actually, it's interesting that the Big Mac is a Mac. Nothing else is a Mac. Everything else is a Mook. And actually, their name is Mook. So why is it a Mac? Why isn't it a Big MC? Uh, because mm. Apple will probably just go apeshit, wouldn't they, if they started calling other things something Mac. Fish Mac. At this stage, but they had Big Mac before Apple Mac had Apple Mac. Why didn't McDonald's go apeshit on Apple then? Maybe they did. Hi, burger. <laughs>
kind of gets complicated with these big brands. It does. Uh, here is another question of food. Uh, it's from Izzy, who is 24 and three quarters, mm-hmm. and she's in Taunton. Uh-huh. And she says, when I was in Disney World, Florida recently... Another place where you always get great cuisine. Mm-mm. I noticed that as well as the usual range of extortionately priced snack foods, ice cream, hot dogs, candy floss, etc., mm-hmm. there were stands selling ginormous turkey legs to the Disney tourists. Yes, the Disney turkey leg. I thought this might be a strange one-off, but I no. spotted them all around the park. Yeah, it's a thing. As well as people happily gnawing on these humongous bits of meat as they walked. Yes. In fact, such... Americans a- are disgusting, actually, aren't they? I think it's lovely that, in a way, what Disney have created is a place, you know, it's a family place, it's a place where memories are made, it's a place where you relax and enjoy yourself, kick back. Concrete jungle you know. where dreams are made. <laughs> it's not concrete jungle. <laughs> uh, it's Plastic uh, jungle. It's... um. You know, they, they work hard to get the smells and the tastes right so that it, it sort of reeks of, of nostalgia and turkey fat. Um, but there is something <laughs> disgusting about the, the fact... <laughs> there is something disgusting about the fact that when a nation goes to enjoy itself and relax and kick mm. back, it gnaws on a turkey leg as it walks around from mm. right to right. That is particularly disgusting. Why not right? a corn dog? Indeed. Well, because those are also... Those are pretty gross too. Yeah. Uh, Izzy says, Such is the popularity of the Disney turkey leg that they even sell souvenir T-shirts with turkey leg emblazoned upon them. Because I just don't think they've got enough things to print on t-shirts there, I think have that's they? right yeah what they really need is some sort of the character that they could uh, merch the hell out of maybe uh, focus on that Disney they also a series have of them. they also have turkey leg boxer shorts and turkey leg air freshener to fill your car with the scent of turkey leg. Yes. Delicious. Izzy says, I find this extremely weird. That's because it is. Not only is a jumbo turkey leg not a snack, but it must be <laughs> extremely difficult to eat whilst walking around a busy theme park. Mm. Wouldn't you feel a bit like Fred Flintstone as well? Maybe that's why, why they want to do it. Well, it, it is, in fact, they were originally uh, uh, marketed as dino legs. In, uh, right. in the Animal Kingdom theme park. Izzy's got more ranting in her. She says, Surely you get big greasy globs of meat juice on your face. Also, when you're finished with it, which must take ages, uh, <laughs> you have to walk around with a whacking great bone before you can throw it away. There are, in fairness, there are a lot of bins at Disney World. Most of them sing at oh, you. Okay. So it's oh, quite fun. You can feed them. In the bin. Yes. That'd be nice. Izzy says, I find it odd that it's become so popular as a casual theme park snack in the Sunshine State. Mm. Well, they eat a lot of strangely warm, comforting food in the warm southern states, I find. Like a lot of that southern comfort food. You think, how can you eat this on a hot day? And yet they do. Yeah. Anyway, Ollie answered me this. Firstly, what are the origins of the Disney World turkey leg and why is it so popular? And secondly, does the turkey leg appear at any other Disney resort or only in Florida? Um, I'm not sure if it appears in the ones outside of the States, but it's certainly in Disneyland in California as well. More than 1.6 million turkey legs sold every year across six parks. Um, oh, really? Mm. Um, yeah, but those six parks, I reckon, are probably all in America. I yes, still don't no, think I they, think they yeah, are. Yeah, I don't think they include the ones in, in Paris, for example, because can you imagine the Qu'est-ce French? Qu'est-ce que c'est que ça, le <laughs> <laughs> a proper, je, je ne le veux pas. That would finally start the revolution. <laughs> get a proper socialist president. <laughs> um, and Tokyo, I can't really imagine going for it either. You can't eat it with chopsticks. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's uh, something that... I mean, look, there's every kind of possible fairground food in the Disney parks. Popcorn, candy floss, hot dogs, corn dogs, ice creams. You know, That sounds healthy. They even have... Indeed, it's not supposed to be healthy. It's supposed to be fun. Uh, and they even have things like uh, special soft-serve pineapple ice cream that they call Dole Whip, which you can only buy in one part of Disney World. Right. And the whole way through the parks, they actually have these little things for return visitors. It's all to encourage you to repeat and come back more than once a year if you're mm-hmm. really into it. Um, so, for example, like when I was there with my friend, we did this thing where you look for the hidden Mickeys. 
and across every ride there's a hidden Mickey mm-hmm. and that's the, as in the silhouette of the three circles so that can even be like we went to the Animal Kingdom and there's even a, a lab bit you can go into where there's Petri dishes laid out to look like Mickey but once you have identified the hidden Mickeys what what's in it for you? yeah but the point is that would take about seven visits to all the theme parks to, sit, to find them all because there's anything? hundreds of them no 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 just you, the satisfaction can, of a triumphant achievement you can go it's online and say that you've seen them all yeah, yeah exactly I think that's really fun, a that's physical yeah. easter egg okay yeah clever. exactly and, and, and Disney are, are very clever at all that kind of thing and they do manage to find a theme park experience for everyone. This, weirdly, has evolved out of... Because it's been going for about 30 years, the turkey leg thing. Wow. But it's only got big since 2010. Turkey legs are very big, though. And that's basically They're... because of Instagram. It's because what? it looks like a ridiculous holiday photo. So when you uh... want to tell your friends, I'm at Disney World, fuckers. Like, obviously, you can do that with a picture of you and Tigger. But doing that, you have to queue for an hour. And, you know, you are standing with a lot of little boys and girls and you do feel a bit weird. The easier way to say on Facebook, I'm at Disney World, fuckers, is to buy a massive turkey leg and pose with it in a stupid way, looking primitive. I just think that most people would not know to identify turkey legs with Disney if you'd only been to Euro Disney or never been to Disney at all. Yeah. Such as I. Yes, but it's not for us. As This is my point. But I'm on Instagram. Why is it not for me? Because Americans who go to Disney know what it means. And that's why it's become a bigger thing. And then, yes, they've merchandised it. There are T-shirts available, as you say, the air fresheners. Uh, It is very weird. It just sounds like bullshit, though. The, The way to show that you're at Disney while spending money is to buy those plastic Mickey ears and put them on your head. Yes, that is definitely a way to do it. This sounds like a bullshit explanation Well, to me. look, look, it, it's happened actually fairly organically. I mean, they've rolled out all the related souvenirs because of the public demand, but you, even a company like Disney, I think, couldn't have predicted that turkey legs would go viral, but they have. It's like Welcome to Night Vale couldn't have predicted that it would be Tumblr fan art and cosplay that rocketed them to podcasting success. Exactly. It seems like a pretty practical snack food. And, uh, yeah, because no one that, wants that, them. Well, they're making a massive fuss, so they're saying, oh, you got to walk around but it's a it's it's something on a stick. It's a meat lollipop. It's eminently yeah. practical. Yes. It's huge though. But turkey is uh, it's a healthy meat. But the leg is an unpopular cut because it goes tough very easily. It's also quite controversial. It, to be honest, only because Disney do it. I think if any other business was involved in this, this wouldn't be a kind of New York Times opinion piece, but it has been because Disney do it. Uh, it's quite controversial because apparently the legs come from male turkeys and the turkeys are bred to be as large as possible. And eating the leg is like eating a symbol of the fact that we've got these monstrously large turkeys that are bred to be so big. And even though actually, obviously, in a way, the bigger the legs are, the more they'll be able to support themselves. Still, it's symbolically you're walking around with this kind of bizarre human interference farming method uh, being proudly on display. Um, I think also turkey legs are going to be a pretty cheap thing that you can sell as a single item because the white meat is sold at a premium and then the legs are all left to spare so probably if you're the supplier you can get hold of turkey legs cheaply you don't have to present them in any interesting way you don't have to put them in a receptacle because people can just grip them on the bone so i reckon maybe that is behind it and then they invented this instagram wheeze on top in order to shift more turkey legs maybe self-fulfilling maybe i still think i mean yeah of course there there must be a, a cost benefit analysis involved but i still think basically it's about fun isn't it? And the thing about Disney is you can't have, you know, pina coladas on sale as people walk around the Magic Kingdom. So this is just, a, it's a thing you do when you're in Some Disney. Some indulgent... They, uh, yeah, they want as many of those indulgent treats as they candy can. Candy floss and turkey yeah. legs. So yeah. that by the end of your trip, you've spent $50 on crap you don't want, but also you, you remember those smells and pictures as part of your experience that you only have there. Well, why not for the ultimate Disney snack, a turkey leg wrapped in candy floss? 
you, you jape, but uh, they do actually sell an ice cream in the shape of a turkey leg. <laughs> uh, that, that makes more sense than my thing. Yeah. Uh, well, my knowledge, to my knowledge, it doesn't have real turkey leg underneath it, but it looks like it does. It looks like a turkey leg that's been dipped in chocolate frosties. Everyone wants a cornetto with little bits of turkey in it, doesn't mm. it? <laughs> Delish. I, I have a pointless obsession So thank you very much, Adam. Thanks, Adam. And Adam has also been moved to ask us a question via our phone line. Alan and Ollie, answer me this. Uh, is it a good idea to put three or four teaspoons of whatever ice cream you have into your coffee when you realise there's no milk at home? That's kooky. I'd rather have a black coffee. I think it depends. If you want your coffee to be sweet and tasting a bit of ice cream, then fine. If you want your coffee not to be sweet, unacceptable. Here's a weird thing that I've got into, although I know it's increasingly popular... Uh, almond milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had you had it here because you had a mutual vegan friend over, mm-hmm. and you went. You I think very uh, graciously went and bought stuff that she'd be able to drink. I'm a good host. I wouldn't even bother to think about that. I had a bunch that. of vegan <laughs> cakes messing up my bread bin for months because she didn't eat them. <laughs> they're not that nice. No, they're not nice. And almond milk is one of those things that you'd think, well, it's probably right if you're vegan, but it's not going to be a preference to milk. But actually, not for any health reason, just because I actually quite like the fact that it sort of gives you a little almond flavour, a little almond kick to your coffee. Delicious. I've mm. started buying almond milk just to put in my coffee. It's nicer than milk. But ice cream, that's perverse. And bad for you. Here's another salubrious question from Pip in Wimbledon, who says, Helen, answer me this. Why do cats bury their poo? We've got to have something to do. Uh, and indeed, their wee. It seems like very fastidious behaviour for what ostensibly is a wild animal. There is nothing wild about my domesticated pet cat. Like, literally she nothing. Would, she would survive for no minutes out there. <laughs> well, unless somehow uh, the jungle in any way resembles a uh, slanket. Um, <laughs> we are sure, says Pip, that big cats like lions and tigers don't do this. I think they do, actually. I think they bury no, their poo. No, they don't, because they're fucking lions and tigers, which means they are top of the heap. They're top of the heap, but then do they want to alert other big cats that they been there with their scent and everything do they yes. do they just leave it on display do they yes. i didn't know that and so so the house cats bury theirs because they know that they are subordinate to lions and tigers that might be uh, hanging around your house in hertfordshire okay so um, so why have domestic cats then developed the bizarrely prudish habit says pip of burying their excretions rather than letting their sphincters run wild and free in the wind <laughs> very poetic mm, yeah. mm, unless your cat has a prolapse so the instinct arises from the fact that big cats are the top of the pile yeah and they can leave their shit wherever they want uh, because animals can smell each other's pheromones on it. Yeah, yeah. So the cats hide it because they know that they're subordinate. Now, theoretically, they do that in your house because they think you are the lion or the tiger equivalent oh. and they're subordinate to you. So if your cat is shitting and pissing everywhere, that is basically it going, fuck you, I'm in charge. I'm king of this the house. is my house. I know that Coco owns the neighbourhood in terms of cats. Yeah, and her name is on the deeds of your house too. <laughs> no, but it's really clear. No, Because when we first moved in, a few cats would occasionally come into the garden and this primal guttural scream came out of our cat. 
and they've never been back since and she owns our parade of houses i've not seen any cats come into our garden since so it's obvious that she owns the garden yeah but i hadn't thought that she might think i own the garden above her that's nice to know well she knows that you don't own that garden (laughs) but the problem with her burying her poo which i appreciate she's doing for cleanliness in a way is that she then gets mud all over her paws and then jumps on the sofa and then we've got a muddy sofa so really yeah, she's mu- made the house dirtier and not as dirty as if she crapped on the sofa yeah but, but there might be some crap in that mud yeah exactly yeah mm. yeah 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 so really she's making it look like she's being considerate but actually she's like ah basically ah. she's some kind of animal here's a question from jenny from vancouver who says ollie answer me this in the phantom of the opera do you think the phantom bones christine when he takes her down to his lair and she passes out mm. i never used to think so but upon re-watching the film it seems fairly likely especially when he says only you can make my song take flight do you think song is a euphemism for penis <laughs> No, no, I, I, in fairness, I, I think uh, you can't from that lyric draw any conclusions because he is talking romantically there as, you know, he's making an allusion to his heart rather than his wang. Well, that's what you're trained to think, isn't it? Uh, no, I think that's the case, um, but... So she's suggesting that he rapes Christine? Yes, Ooh. and she's not the first to suggest it, and actually I think he probably does, um, but, you know... <laughs> In the fashion of a kind of modern post-feminist uh, discussion around sexual consent, mm. um, it's not clear um, that she's not partly into him, and that's the thing. She 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 does pass out, yes, and but... she does go down to his lair, but she also does want it, and so yeah, it but is still, complicated. Still, you want someone to be sensible. You want her. You want her. Yes, she should as, give her as, consent. As in awake, yes. not not like uh, yes. having the head screwed on. Right, I, I agree with you. Um, but I mean, legally, the, you you want them to be able to acquiesce, correct. and not just have suggested acquiescence in their previous behaviour. Fine, but this is the thing: the behaviour that we do see on stage is that she she chooses to stay with this man who she's seen threaten to kill her fiance because she fancies him, not because he's ordering her to. Christine so she does likes, not. She does not go for nice guys. She does doesn't. She? That's it. She doesn't go for nice guys. So we have to think what happens down in the lair. Now, in the musical, it is left to our imaginations Mm -hmm. and some people think something sexual happens some people think it's just a romantic moment Uh, or you know at worst she's suffering from Stockholm Syndrome but in the sequel Love Never Dies which tanked in the West End canon or non-canon would you say I'd say non-canon okay by far Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, actually, weirdly, did really well in Australia. So there's a okay. DVD of it, and people talk about it. <laughs> um, in the sequel, Love Never Dies, the uh, lyrics by Ben Elton to the song "Beneath the Moonless Sky" uh, make it very clear uh, that actually there was probably some bonking going on because Christine mm-hmm. reflects upon the night they spent together, and I loved you. Yes, I loved you. I'd have followed you anywhere you led. I woke to swear my love. And found you gone instead. Mm, so but, they were in the same bed together, and but, then he walked out. And also, she might, I mean, she won't remember. Well, indeed. It's not very nice, is it? It's not very nice, but it sounds like he probably had had a go. I don't think that's very clear at all. It well, might just be that she awoke, because I don't know the story, but she awoke to, to welcome her to, to the bed and he'd book it off. Yeah. To, I, I think to make it clearer, I think in the story of that she actually has a son who is his so i think that's fairly clear uh, Ah, that he didn't ah. use protection but we don't know whether it was consensual or not that that song seems to tell us it was it doesn't sound good though how does ghost sex work he's not a ghost oh he's not a ghost no you think he's a ghost spoiler he's well he's he's more of um, a ghoul than a ghost right he's a man isn't he he's a human man he's beast he's beauty and the beast okay so he does need to wear he has flesh and blood and he does need to wear protection to prevent the the impregnation He's, he's got a boner like a man 
but uh, he's also got a mask on his face that separates him from the rest of humanity. Okay. And he lives in an opera house, which is eccentric. Uh, very complex. I, I'd say it's time for me to revisit this, but I don't remember it being very good when I saw it as a child, so I'll, I'll just leave it if that's alright. It is all right. my least favourite Andrew Lloyd Webber Ooh. musical, and that is a long list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like some Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals, as we've discussed in yes. the past, Sunset Boulevard, thought it was good, but this is a bit fooey. I don't know why yeah. everyone likes it so much. No, especially if there's uh, non-consensual sexual activity depicted in it as if that's romantic and it's so 80s in a bad way as well it looks really dated if you go and see it now some people would find that great yes i suppose so Mm. and i wonder if there was a period where visitors from eastern europe thought it was contemporary but even so (laughs) now you look at it and it just feels i don't get it i don't get it well that seems like a slightly low note to end this episode of Answer Me This on. Not but at all. I think you should go out and, and consider every Andrew Lloyd Webber musical and, and whether sex was happening behind the scenes. I mean, what did Mr. Mistopheles get up to? <laughs> Just licking his balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, listeners, please send us your questions for next episode of the podcast. And uh, all of our contact details are on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com Where you can find links to the Answer Me This store, Yay! which, as aforementioned, is the place you can buy our Christmas album. Plus, you can also... Uh, by our our old episodes our first 170 episodes as you wish uh, and our app all from that place mm. so do sounds alright doesn't it and support the show and uh, we will return in two weeks time bye, bye.